We know that Paul could fire off some pretty clever barbs toward political leaders. He just isn't doing it here. This is a different tone. He's clearly working some other kind of argument. And anybody would say that's because he has great faith in the ability of the state to get things right every time. Go to (laughs) Corinthians when he's like, why are you going to these idiots? Paraphrase again is mine. Why are you going to these idiots to have them settle your lawsuit issues? Work it out in-house, Christians. Whitman coming up from the 10 minute Bible hour. Yes, we are. Teach us. Okay, I got to go find some citrus. By the way, guys. Hi. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? I've got a lot of energy. This is great. I, I think you should ditch the citrus and just drink that terrible coconut water and vodka. That's horrible. Just man. drink it. Man, it's terrible. It's a low calorie option. To think I gave up drinking. That, would, <laughs> would that make you give up? Drinking? We got that way. Can't get, forget the citrus. Here if comes that's Matt what it Whitman. tasted like. You are in you your hear sounds? Yeah, we hear sounds. Do you hear our sounds? I hear your sounds. Let's make sound together. I'm so ready. Um, <clears throat> there we go. Okay. That's looking Sorry, almost human. Okay. Here I am. <clears throat> Jeff? Hi, Matt. Oh, in Jeff. case you don't remember, I, I'm Zach. Scott. Zach. Scott. Jeff. 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 He's squeezing in. Man, this is so good. Kind of last minute for you to... Time flies. It was like a week and a half, but thanks for hooking this up with us. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. And this time you're in your study or your office. Is this where you record? This is where you record all your sweet videos. Yes, this is the spot. I figured it'd be quieter than home tonight. I think last time I sat on the couch. Yeah, that's possible. I think your family was going to, they went to see a Star Wars movie or something and they came back late. I don't know. Oh, you were paying attention. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Hey, Matt. <laughs> Matt, it was, I just left my house and I had you blaring in my backyard uh, on your YouTube video, um, the 10 minute Bible hour. Uh, Which one were you doing? The, the Romans, uh, Romans 13, um, it's good for the neighborhood. Yeah, and it was, and and I definitely have. Uh, I'm in a little bit of an atheist community close by, so I'm sure they heard. And oh, I hope they enjoyed it. Yeah, the part where you're like, resist the government. That part. <laughs> yeah, that kind of sounds like me. I mean, sort of. I'm bibling up. Oh, paper, huh? That's the one. An actual paper Bible. An actual paper Bible. Now this thing is a disaster. It's it's just wrinkly and shot and missing huge portions. Do you if have, all the Bibles get destroyed and this is the one that gets left? Yeah. Archaeologists and scholars will hate me. <laughs> well, hopefully it's not like an NIV. It's gross. <laughs> Man. The look in your eyes said gross in addition to your mouth. Uh, it's an NIV yeah you're not one of those um, well what's your preferred version Scott I I go NASB yeah why because my pastor tells me to 
Because it's most accurate. Yeah, word for word. Is that the it's, deal? That's the that's how it's known. Yeah. The most accurate word for word English translation. That that's what that's what they say. But everybody says that. <laughs> right. Yeah, word for word can be a disaster in certain situations, though. So I don't know. Ike, it's good. It's it's good. Most of them are actually really good. <laughs> like, yeah. I just don't know why people get it's in hard fights to, over it. It's hard to say word for word, though, when you translate um, Yahweh as Lord. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Might not be yeah. word for word. And But anyway, most other stuff's word for word. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it works. Like, the English rendering makes sense, and I think that is the goal of translation. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you've said it, too, in one of your videos, and I've heard it from my pastor. Uh, the best translation is the one you're going to actually read. So you yeah. start with that. Yeah. And I mean, then eventually, as Chuck Missler says, you'll grow into the old King James. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to grow right into it. Yeah. I, I like all of my Bibles to have five and a half partial manuscripts behind them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the received text. They received it. Right? They sure yeah. did. It's received with one six thousandth of the available data. I don't hate the King James. I don't at all. I just, I like the King James. I just don't get the obsession over it. Like, I guess there's magic involved or something. I, I don't know. Whatever. What are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about you. We're going to receive you. I just not. Wow. That turn of a phrase. Yeah. Well, I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Uh, my daughters, you should know my daughters, uh, when I tell them both times that I'm coming on with you the look on their face. Cause they know some of your videos. That's like a pre bed. If they want to squeeze in a last show, we'll let them do a 10 minute Bible hour video. And so I, I tell them I'm going on with Matt Whitman. He's from 10 minute Bible hour. They just, they freak out. You're a minor celebrity here. So congratulations <laughs> for that. <laughs> okay. No, I'm, I'm glad that I am what they can use to extend bedtime. And, and the videos are great. And this one that I want to talk about mostly is the uh, Romans 13 one. Is that still your most recent video? No, I no, I did one sense on Bible disagreeing. Why okay. people fight about Bible stuff. But it's pretty recent, yeah. Okay, which we might do that too tonight. We'll see how Scott's feeling. Sounds um, good. Um, but the Romans 13 one is longer than your average video. Yeah, it's almost an hour. How long did that take you to, to put together and edit and all that how much time uh, are you spending on this? one take that was i have a couple cuts in there and that was just to get up and restart the camera but yeah um oh i don't know that was i spent a lot of time on that i tried to organize my thoughts you can cut your preparation time in half and double the length of the content as you meander through the ideas but if you want to try to be somewhat efficient and listenable then it takes longer to prepare. So that's yeah. where most of the time goes. Well, it was, com it was engaging. I appreciated the, I think you had the, the five, uh, I think it was five sections that you walked through. Um, <clears throat> ah, the little, uh, the little thing yes. that we put up here. Yes. yes. And I, I, uh, so my brain kind of needs to organize in a certain way and it compartmentalizing that all I was, I was kind of, with you the entire time. Um, cool. and I, I really, I really appreciated 
your thoughts on what is it? What uh, thirteen Romans? No, 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 no. How you broke it apart? Well, I start with the history of it, right? Like, to, so this, yeah, this was my layout. I felt like rather than just doing the normal exegete a passage and here's what it is, like the clear and obvious meaning that people say is the clear and obvious meaning can't possibly be the clear and obvious meaning. So we got to arrange this thing differently. So I wanted to start by just saying, hey, if all these super smart people had completely differing reads on this, I may not be completely insane and innovative for offering a read different than the wooden, literal, straightforward read that is being employed for political purposes right now. Right. So we started with the historical outline. Then uh, I thought I felt like the next place to go was what it can't possibly mean. If we go with the interpretive principle of interpret the less clear parts of the Bible in light of the more clear parts of the Bible, well, there's a whole lot of more clear parts of the Bible that directly refute the way this passage gets employed so often, only by people in power, mm -hmm. I would add. The out-of-power people never invoke Romans 13, uh, but they certainly love it right after an election where they win. And then, um, and then from there, I felt like there were a couple things where we could say, it has to mean this. And then there was a whole list of things where I, it probably means some combination, partly of these things. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a weird way to approach it. Yeah, I do want to, we should probably mention that this is mostly in reference to Jeff Sessions uh, talking about in relation to some of the immigration. I think they were getting pushback from some Christian leaders and other religious leaders for the immigration policy. And mm -hmm. uh, have you been working on your Jeff Sessions impression? You know, if he was sitting right in front of me. You could do a fake Georgia accent like, just like he does. Okay. You want to try? No, I, I'm going to use it now, huh? Yeah. I would like I would to cite to you <laughs> the to Apostle, Apostle Paul, Paul and his clear and, his clear and wise, wise command in Romans, Romans 13, uh, 13 to obey, to the, obey laws the laws of the government, of the government because, because God, God has ordained, ordained, has ordained them for, for the purpose purposes. of order. That one's really strong. <laughs> Orderly, Orderly and lawful, and lawful processes, processes are good, are good in, themselves in themselves and protect the weak and lawful. All right. Thank you, Scott. I really, <laughs> that was totally unplanned, and I like how you just went with that. Thank you. So that's what this is all in relation to. And uh, I, I know that phrase gets mentioned a lot, and I want you to go into like some of the more sinister uses of that phrase, Matt. But one thing I noticed from family and friends, and I, I come out of kind of the hardcore Republican right, Christian right, uh, that's my background. And so using passages like that is very convenient when our guy wins. But as soon as somebody wins with a D next to his name, I, I don't hear any Christians ever using that passage. They won't even go no. near that. And mm -mm. when it really, if, if they're going to use that for that in that way, it, they should be using that passage no matter who gets elected. So technically they should be happy that Obama got elected according yep. to their logic. The disastrous read, I think, is on the phrase that um, I, I, it's inarguable that anything that exists, if we believe there's an, a, an unlimited being who is God, who's in charge of everything, nothing is a surprise to him. He's not bound by anything, including time or human decision. Well, then, yeah, anything that happens, like me sitting at this desk right now or Donald Trump being in Helsinki, 
Like either way, that is happening theoretically under the permission of the highest, most sovereign power. But I think the mistake right off the bat in interpreting the passage is to leap to, therefore, whatever anyone in a position of authority does is what God wanted and is a good idea. Well, what? And in my video, it was like the easiest thing in the world to just start listing off examples of, well, but we know that this authority was presented as doing the wrong thing in the Bible. So if we've got dozens on dozens of counterexamples bound in the same leather in this Bible, it can't possibly mean whatever someone who claims authority does is now right. Right. And even just a little bit of, I don't know, just thinking through what happened, how Jesus met his end, at least temporarily, (laughs) how Paul met his end and various others. It wasn't for following the government word for word or whatever the government wanted. Mm -mm. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't care about Jeff Sessions. Like as a human, I care about him. I hope his life is good. Um, I, he can say whatever he wants. Government's going to government guys, people who have authority want more and want to protect the authority they have. That is not a Republican or Democrat issue. That is a people who like power issue. And sometimes maybe they're doing something good that needs to be done. A lot of times they're not. And so look, of course, religious people are going to justify their governmental decisions with religious language and use it to rally the religious base that voted for them. And sometimes I even happen to really agree with that religious base, other times less so. To me, the problem is less that yet another politician threw this out when it served them. And the problem is more that that if we embrace that hermeneutic that Sessions was effectively throwing out how can you interact with the world around you? How can you be a Christian? What do we do with Jesus' teachings about the kingdom? Like, I, it's like, it's like the way people use the supremacy clause when debating constitutional law. Like, this just trumps everything. Like, yeah, you got this whole constitution or whatever, but this trumps everything. At the end. Oh, mm-hmm. or the interstate commerce clause. Like, yeah, but we got this thing that got interpreted this one way in this one court decision one time. So, don't worry about all the clear and plain language of you know, enumerating human freedom and the limits of government and the Bill of Rights of the Constitution proper, we have this one vaguely interpreted thing about trading goods across state lines. So forget that. And I feel like that's interpretively the risk of butchering Romans 13 and letting something like that go unchecked. The issue completely aside in regards to, to immigration, yes, I have thoughts and opinions, just maybe not here and not now, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, well, yeah, no, but that, I think that does bring up uh, one aspect of it is is um, in this in this particular case um, is is he wrong because government you don't you don't think that government officials should invoke this ever, or is he wrong because this particular law that he's saying that people should follow because it sounded like he was saying it to the people who were immigrating that they should follow the laws of the land. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not too familiar with it, but that's what, Maybe. It, that's what it sounded like. I don't like, know. But, yeah, yeah. It was vague in some ways, I suppose. Um, no, I, I think the problem is with the invocation. I, I, I really do. I, I think I'm trying to decide how big to go here. We're going to go meta. I, I think the gospel makes big. a ton of sense. I think Christianity makes a ton of sense. 
I feel like we have found multiple ways to derail over the course of our 2000 years. And the most recent way that we've found to derail in our neck of the woods is to just not be able to figure out an ethic of what to do in a pluralistic society. We don't know what to do with the democracy. We don't have a plan. And so we bought into this idea when everything was super Christian that we would just have the government do Christian things on our behalf. And then like, well, I don't know, then you tell people to follow that because the government is right. And so what we did is effectively we used theology to increase the power of the state and to increase the state's role in defining morality. Well, at that time, implicit was that the consensus was an entirely Christian consensus coming out of World War II. But then in the 60s, the consensus dwindled in the 60s and 70s and then into recent times. That consensus isn't there anymore. But we tacitly signed off on the idea that whatever the slight majority wants and the government then puts in place, we already interpreted the Bible to say that somehow becomes truth. That somehow becomes moral and that they are there to punish the wrongdoer and you know take care of the one who does good. And that's what the, the face value read on this is, but it doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all when you look at the 20th century in our country or otherwise. So I feel like getting this passage wrong is one of the the main pillars that support our our failure to figure out just how to interact with the world and interact with the government. What to do with people who disagree with us? Why is that an Achilles heel? Like the whole point of the gospel is that there will be people who disagree with you who need to hear about this kingdom and this Jesus who loves them and forgives stuff. We're supposed to be in a pluralistic society. The gospel is supposed to go to people who don't understand it and aren't particularly interested in it. And and yet we've become ineffective with the gospel specifically because we don't know what to do with that segment of our society who isn't into what we're into. And controlling them with government is not working. You're right. That that point where government it's it's like trying to bring someone to Christ and point at the Bible and sees, or, or if someone is struggling and you tell them, or take my uh, like wives, husbands and wives, where you say, well, it says, and so you should, and and instead of having some good connection, it's more of just um, chopping people off by you know, invoking the, this Bible passage, this verse, Mm -hmm. and you don't create a connection. Yes, I totally agree. It's, um, if that's what you were saying that Jeff Sessions was saying this because, um, he's playing to, you know, a part of the, the party and the religious, um, side of it. Um, but back to your point of the, church and state it's like we were all in a train and the back of the train or the part of the train that had the christianity on it got chopped at 60s and 70s and moving forward and and so we're just kind of flailing behind or maybe it's yeah, give, people, me a, give me a better people give me a better, we had the christian for. car and maybe oh, we christian have car. people from this is a tesla the other the other cars start to mingle with us in the Christian train car. They call them cars, right? Am I sure, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. yes, go. So, and now there's more mingling in the Christian car as opposed to we're chopped off. 
uh, and we're totally disconnected from the train. It's it's a huge train and it's going. And it's not stopping, but people are starting to minkle more. But we Does don't work. But we don't get a. But the <laughs> but the Christian, the idea of follow authority, as it says in Romans thirteen. Hold um, on, it's. It's Paul's clear yeah, and wise command. command. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so to follow authority, um, like what was authority or what is seen as authority? Is Jesus the yeah. authority? Is is the government authority, but based off the fact that they're following Christ? Um, and if not, um, even in our own constitution, it says that if we're not represented, then you know, as England, you know, breaking away from another country and declaring independence or the, de- sorry, not the constitution, declaration of independence, um, you know, you, you make changes. So it's, mm-hmm. there's so many, there's so many nuances in the language and the, the questioning of, you know, do I follow my government when they're doing something that I believe to be against a, a Christ-like life? that becomes a, a quandary in, in my mind and a, a never ending, um, discussion. So let's get, so kind of piggybacking on that and session saying it's a clear and wise command, um, clear and wise command to who, and if not to us, then what's, what's going on in Romans 13 that, uh, obviously hopefully people go and check out your video because it's super fleshed out there. <laughs> Yeah, give it, us a it's taste. pretty tough to break that down yeah. quickly. Uh, there's a reason it's complicated. There's a reason it took me an hour to do it. Uh, you've got a pretty clear flow of thought as we, as we get into the last part of Romans, where we've talked about the theology of salvation and what the church is and where you fit and all of that. And now we're getting into the what you do, how you live relational part. And the transition happens in 12.1, the super famous verse that everybody memorizes. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then it goes on to flesh out what that looks like within the church, in the larger world, in relationship to government. And there's all kinds of debts that uh, you might just have to leave sitting out there. You're commanded there to just pass on vengeance, like God will handle that. And then coming right out of the vengeance thing, like, like God handled the revenge deal, then it talks about the possibility that government might punish wrong and reward good. Now, obviously, that didn't happen in the rather prominent example of Christ. The entire gospel of Luke is dedicated to a vindication of Christ to demonstrate it was an unjust conviction, an unjust execution. But maybe, and I explore this in my video, maybe what Paul is talking about here is an ideal, or maybe he's writing this letter to Rome, and he knows the guy who lives in Rome, who's decidedly unjust and would later murder Paul, Nero, would read the letter. And maybe he wrote it in such a way to be like, right, can't we agree that this <laughs> is how government should work? Or maybe he wrote it in such a way so as to just sneak it past the arrogant read that Nero would put on it. And there's no way that anyone at the time of Nero would hear this describing Nero or Herod and be like, amen to that. Amen to that. Yeah. That Nero is just, you know, that time when he took that uh, heated spear and rammed it uh, into my butt and then let me slide down while covered in pitch and while I burned to death slowly to light his garden, that was just, he was rewarding me or punishing me for what I, like, 
You said Dude, that very. Impaled. You said that like you've been working on that line. That was impressive. I haven't been working on that at all. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm always gaming stuff out. But I, like, I, come on. Yeah. No one in the original audience would have thought. Well, yeah, sure. Nero and Herod are just. So it makes me think that Paul, who was very astute and dialed to what was going on in the world, knew what he was doing and what he was trying to point out is that there is an ideal here that is in no way met by these human governments. But then he gets down to verse 8, and we usually stop reading this controversial passage at verse 7, and verse 8 is a very, very famous verse in chapter 13. Um, He gets finished uh, in in verse 6 saying, this is why you pay taxes, give to them, you know, what you owe them, uh, give everyone what you owe them, if you owe them taxes, pay taxes, if revenue, revenue, if respect and respect, if honor, then honor. And it's just sort of this fine, like almost accommodation kind of view. But this isn't written to the government. This isn't, he's not critiquing or criticizing the state. He's writing to Christians so that they can get how to function. And that comes right back to the surface in eight. You Christians, paraphrases mine, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Oh, okay. So we're still in this theme of who gets to do revenge and what do we do between parties? What is the Christian response to a slight to a grievance, even to something egregious that's been done to us. And how do we function as Christians? Excommunication. There's one option. <laughs> and so and so I think there is a flow of thought here that is totally neglected. I think it's a very unfortunate chapter placement that we just dropped that 13 where we did. Remember, that stuff's not inspired. It's all after the fact. A dude on horseback trying to beat a printing deadline sketched this stuff out, like in a rainstorm. It's not carefully thought through. 13 should not divide there. 12 should be one unified chapter from 12-1 all the way to the end of chapter 13 because it's one flow of thought. Yeah, we miss that a lot. I mean, we just take for granted. I was well into my adulthood before I knew that like chapters and verses, like none of that stuff was actually there with all these things. So, And that makes a huge difference, as you can see. And plus... Christians, as you can see from Session and countless others, myself included, you kind of brought up on, I mean, I remember as a kid just opening, what does God have for me today? Open the Bible, pick a random page, point my finger down, there's my verse for the day. And it's like each verse had its own equal weight regardless of the context that you're actually reading. And I think that has fed some of this where it's like, well, it says it there, it's it's timeless, and we just miss the context, and like you said, uh, it, it, the possibility of Paul being a subversive and maybe having these things in there that, so the, the Romans, if they read the letter, they're not going to freak out about it or freak out about the Christians as much because, it, because Paul's kind of accommodating to the government a little bit. That possibility is lost on us the further you get away from the exact scenario he's talking about, so... I don't know well, and I, what would it what would it sound like if Paul were writing to the state? Like, what if he were writing to Nero? I mean, remember when Jesus gave a shout out to Herod, like called him a fox, mm-hmm. used the deliberately female version of that expression. Like, we know that key characters of the faith, including the guy they named the you know they named the religion after, like, we're not afraid to criticize a leader. Like, we know that Paul could fire off some pretty clever barbs toward political leaders. He just isn't doing it here. This is a different tone. He's clearly 
working some other kind of argument. And anybody would say that's because he has great faith in the ability of the state to get things right every time. Go to (laughs) Corinthians when he's like, why are you going to these idiots? Paraphrase again is mine. Why are you going to these idiots to have them settle your lawsuit issues? Work it out in-house, Christians. He has no faith in the state to get this right. He's patient. He appeals to them. He evangelizes with them. And he works within the boundaries because dude isn't an idiot. He knows exactly why all the other movements, the ones that, for example, uh, Gamaliel referenced when he's talking, uh, you know, with the disciples out of the room early in the book of Acts, he knows why all these other revolutionary religious movements have failed. And Paul feels like he's vested with a supernatural calling to make sure this one succeeds. And so he is on message evangelism, defense of the gospel, defense of Christ in a way that will make sense to his audience everywhere he goes. There's not one ounce of revolutionary in Paul, nothing. There's not an ounce of revolutionary in Jesus. And in the fullness of time, that would have made no sense. It would have made the least sense at any moment hitherto in human history (laughs) to have Jesus and then Paul show up back to back and be revolutionary. This would be the worst time in history God could have ordained a revolution, a political revolution. You're going to lose. It's the Roman Empire at its height, at the height of its power, with unchecked, insane emperors coming and going, like Caligula and Nero, murdering their way in and out of power. It isn't going to happen. They're going to cut off your head. They're not going to bat an eye at it. You need to make it really clear: the church is not coming with swords to topple the state. And I think Paul did a great job of nailing that message where other religious leaders in the first century BC or AD did not get that message right. Do you, um, do you see a more of a general, um, appeal to government as, uh, to, or in juxtaposition to something like anarchy that, that maybe that's part of Paul's appeal is, is that it's not like, uh, you know, every single law, um, that we follow, but but just government in general, that there's something outside of yourself that you are accountable to, uh, because yeah, like you mentioned, uh, it goes on in verse in verse eight and nine. Um, it, ta- it, it 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 appeals back to the Ten Commandments, but these are kind of like foundationary, foundationary, foundational. It worked for uh, me. Oh, I will accept yeah. it. <laughs> Foundationarily, uh, these no, are. We'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> laws like don't you know don't, don't murder, don't steal. Uh, th- so things that without those without those things, society kind of doesn't happen. Uh, so, right. So maybe maybe in general, uh, uh, he, he, that's what he's appealing to. This is part of the genius of the Enlightenment and you know the liberal revolution era, is that these folks were able to draw a moral even biblical distinction between whatever the whim of the super monarch happens to be on a given week, the decree of the king, which could be complete nonsense, versus natural law. Like the most basic structure of get it right, get it wrong for a government and in terms of justice is you in your current state and you in your past state, which is represented by the product of your work and your labor. And so the most basic level of justice is you own you. You are your property. You are no one else's property other than God's. 
and these kings are not God. So, so if we're getting justice right, I think even in the sense of what's being described here in Romans 13, well, yeah, the government exists to get this right. Like if somebody messes with your stuff or hurts you or wrongfully imprisons you, you have a legitimate complaint. You have been wronged. You are owed something. Justice needs to be done. And I think if you go by raw percentage and not the times when we can think of egregious examples of the government getting it wrong, governments overwhelmingly get that right or they cease to exist. Right. If it occurs to a citizenry that theft is not punished anymore or murder is not punished anymore, it isn't long and it occurs to that same citizenry, wait, why do we pay you? <laughs> Mm. Let's just do this ourselves. Yeah, why and that's we expect to, why, why can we trust you? Why would we, we expect you to defend us and not sell us out? Yeah. Right. So then we come to the question of the secular and the pluralistic. We should be able to agree with any other human that owns a body that they own their body. I own my body. And it would be wrong for me to disrespect your body. And likewise, what gets trickier is when you get beyond those obvious natural laws and into things that feel more like decrees or preferences. So a lot of people um, on the right don't like the decrees and preferences socially of the left, whether it involves drugs or sexuality or I don't know, pick your thing, right? And a lot of people on the left certainly don't like the religious decrees of people on the right on the same topics or whatever, that's really where the rub is. Like we still overwhelmingly agree from all sides on what the government is usually dealing with on questions of justice. Oh, you can't rape people. You can't stab people. That's totally obviously wrong. Like it's not like there's a big like, you know, American flag wearing biker gun rally that's like, we need to punish stabbing. And then a lot of liberals come out and are like, no, that's hateful and bigoted. Stabbing is something that we need to explore as an expression of our sexuality. Yeah, like, you, no. It's, you're discriminating against poor our people who can guns. Hey, we can just all be against stabbing. For the right? record, I'd be okay with stabbing as long as it did no harm to anyone else or to anyone. So, oh, That's, that's did, weirdly the exact same matrix I run my decision making through. You can find a way to do it. And so, and so to come back to your, to your question, the, um, I think the 10 commandments are a mix of this, right? Like some of the 10 commandments are just person and property, obvious natural law. Any people group ever should be able to reason to this. And others are way specific and don't matter to you at all. If you don't think the God who said them exists, like, should I have no other gods before me? Pfft, I don't think there's any God. I'm not. I'm not going to submit to a government that's going to punish me for not thinking that a God I haven't seen doesn't exist. That's a reasonable expectation from someone who's a non-believer. Mm -hmm. And so within a society where God is king, a theocracy, as we had briefly in the Old Testament, well, God's king. And he can make rules about himself and about religious practice. It doesn't make any sense by the time we get here. And again, I think that is where we are just so clumsy in invoking passages like this, in in buying into the false notion that truth and morality are a result of voting consensus, and that since we believe that truth comes from consensus, we better win this next election, folks. This is the most important God, one yet for yeah. believers. That's so scary. <sighs> yeah. So do you, do you catch hate for, it sounds like, I don't know if you're a label card carrying 
libertarian, but you sound pretty libertarian or libertarian-ish. Yeah, you don't have a card. I'm the same way, but it's at this position where you can catch heat from all sides. Do you find that's the case? Because you're out there on social media and you're fairly politically active. Like You're knowledgeable. It's obvious you look into these things. Uh, How much heat do you catch? I try not to get after, I try not to get after people too much and that helps. So if I don't like an idea, I try to separate the idea from the person just as a courtesy. Don't always get that right. I said stuff on the internet that I wish I could frame a little bit differently at times, Mm -hmm. but generally speaking, yeah, most people hate what I think (laughs) (laughs) on, on the right. Look, the one thing we can all agree on from all sides right now is authoritarianism. The government should decide stuff and you are owned. And I think that is evil. I think uh, we have a huge sample size of evil and violence and mistreatment toward all different kinds of people. When you start with the assumption that society owns individuals, individuals own individuals. You are the smallest minority. One person being persecuted is unacceptable. And like, if, if I, if I ran for office, which would be the stupidest thing I think I could probably ever do with mm-hmm. my He's life. He's going to do it now. He's going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's I, the only item. I might in my move your up. state just to vote for you. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> if I ran for office, one of the things that I would try to just pound is if you vote for me, I will, I will think all the things that I thought while campaigning still. And that mm-hmm. means I'm going to frustrate you because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to party line like these principles of liberty and self ownership will inform what I do. And what that also means is that if you don't vote for me, I think there's a good chance I will be your favorite leader ever who you didn't vote for because I legitimately give a rip about how things work out for you. And if you are hurting nobody and you want the freedom to do a thing, I might fully articulate how dumb I think your thing is, but I have got your back. You own you. I don't own you. It is possible that I could be wrong about everything. So it would be dumb for me to inflict myself upon you because I've been known to be wrong about stuff. And why would I want to employ violence or force to make you do my stuff? And so you would think that people would be like, holy crap, that's how, that's what we want. Yes. Let's ratchet this down. This could be cool, but it's not what people want. People, people like that about at the midterms, but you get toward presidential election time yeah. and we will just, we will always be cajoled and whipped into despising each other. Fear is freedom. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. It's, man, it's so interesting how, uh, I think people in their own personal day to day, most people probably want to live a version of what you just said. And, but when it comes to politics or when, like you said, when the rubber meets the road with the big elections, we just get whipped up and there's fear profiteers everywhere. Take advantage of Too scary. Of the dangerous other. Look out for them. They're coming for you. Beat them before they beat you. Yeah. I, I did find it interesting. You brought up Bonhoeffer in your, in your video and you touched upon do what do do people know what to do like in our time right now are there people that know what to do and they're not stepping forward or um in terms of like is something right 
is something wrong? If something's wrong, what are we doing about it? And are we stepping into, um, into political action when it's needed, um, regardless if it's from our Christian perspective, um, just what is just and, and in your, in your talk, I, that's, that word just seems so, I immediately thought of the word relative, like (laughs) it, and that, that makes it so difficult to know when to step in as a Christian or just as a person feeling uh, this is not just where someone else could say, no, that's, that's just, obviously we agree on, you can't kill or stab or rape. And those, those are pretty obvious, but then there are so many other things that there's a divide and, and it's relative to our, our perspective, our experiences. And, and, and then as Christians, we're, we're really called to pray about it. And where does God call us to go on this and decide? And, and just with, just with the people that are met at the border and turned away or families are split up or whatever, you know, has been going on, um, in that regard, it's like, what, what is just because the government would say we're just in doing this and they're right. And the, in, in their eyes and a Christian who feels for, for people and not country, um, feel it's their, the government is unjust because they're not taking care of people regardless of where they're from. And so it becomes such a, it becomes such a divide and, and so many people are struggling on that, that topic of, what would Jesus do? And we also have our government and we're supposed to abide by our government and it's mm-hmm. a total split. Mm-hmm. So what, what do we do in these scenarios? In almost every one of these situations that we can bring up that deals with a question of what is just, the hurdle involves the state. What's the state going to do? Like people went down to the border to try to just help or do something. And my wife wanted to go to, she's like, we should just go to Texas. I don't know what would you do. We should go. I don't know what we do either because there are people with guns preventing you from doing stuff. And I'm not saying those are bad people. I'm not saying that it's not reasonable to have an immigration policy. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not whatever. Right. That's not, not a, yet. Different conversation, <laughs> different conversation. Yeah. What I am saying is that, is that, you know, if you have questions about the immigration policy, and I have questions about the immigration policy, I, of course, I'm not a fan. I am very libertine in my mindset. I don't like artificial red lines drawn by states. Uh, maybe they're an occasional necessity, but uh, I want to see that minimized. So who's standing in the way? Who are we always petitioning to? Who are we always going to to ask for a favor to make our side win? Not the other side. Like, it, the right tribe doesn't go to the left tribe and be like, hey, guys, I need to talk to all of you San Francisco liberals. We were thinking about doing a thing where we would allow bump stocks again. And <laughs> here's why we would like you to hear where we're coming from. And please try to understand 
you know, just constitutionally, that conversation isn't happening. Mm-hmm. You go to the government and social media and you yell and there are two people you're trying to persuade. One, the state to scrape off a few more scraps for you so that you can get the thing that you want. But the state is the obstacle you're trying to overcome. Mm-hmm. And two is the incredibly squishy, indecisive middle who now decides all of our elections. You get 10% of people who vote who just don't want people to be mad at them and just want to feel like they're on the side of what's popular and that people like. And so they just watch the yelling and whichever yelling seems to have a little momentum, I guess we'll just vote for that now. And that's how we make policy. Mm -hmm. That's insane that violence gets deployed to decide how we'll do things because effectively you got 40% of people who are going to do whatever they were going to do and another 40 and then maybe 10 or 20 who really don't know and don't care, but they've been cajoled into thinking they need to vote. And they're the deciders. So that's who you're appealing to, the squishy middle. And you're asking the state for permission to overcome the state when you go and try to bring about justice or affect change. And so, again, my proposal for most of this would be less of everything. I just... Less government jumping in with everything, less going to the state every time you need a solution and more like if you want to stop abortion, for example, something that I think is is morally wrong. If you want to stop it, I think the evidence would suggest that more laws might not actually be your best avenue. I mean, it sounds good. I like that. But that one's really tricky to enforce. Not like murder much harder to observe and enforce. So we can't get around the fact that that difficulty in enforcement is there. But if we're still really sure it's wrong, you know what we could do? Talk to people who might consider having an abortion. And I don't know, like, like them. Mm. And like actually persuade and be a human instead of yelling at the squishy middle or yelling at the government to do your thing. Go talk to the people you actually disagree with and bowl or, I don't know, go to a movie or get one of those (laughs) strawberry shakes with the two straws at like a 50s diner and just, I don't know, talk about how one of you likes transgenderism and the other one really likes hunting big game. And of course, that sounds completely nonsense. (laughs) But what if we actually tried to go to the humans who disagree with us? instead of ignoring them and going right to mom and dad to tattle on the humans who disagree with us, then maybe, I don't know, like you'd you'd have some kind of credibility in the lives of people you disagree with. And maybe we'd realize that we're being a little too stubborn on a few things that we could back off on ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, you go to mom and dad, even if you get your way, eventually you get a new mom and dad and you might not like (laughs) them doing having that kind of power, whatever you gave mom and dad and to the previous mom and dad. Well said. And, and that kind of full circles our conversation right there, Zach. I mean, yeah. it brings us back to the Romans 13 thing. You know, what provokes me about its invocation is one, I, I disagree with the policy uh, regarding the immigration. But the bigger problem is that once again, we repeat the mistake that both sides repeat of when in power, employ whatever means necessary to secure that power, reinforce that power, expand that power, justify that power, and then throw a shrieking fit the second that power is given wholesale to people who think the opposite of what we thought when we were... I mean, look at the left right now. They're insane. They're losing their minds 
because they wanted to heap power upon a president they liked, understandably. They trusted him. And then someone else got to drive the car. Out of the and blue. They like how that guy drives the car. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you shouldn't have got him such a big, nice, dangerous, expensive car. <laughs> if, you don't want, if you don't want the next Trump, don't give powers to the next Democrat who's in charge. Instead, reduce power when your team is in charge so that you're reducing those stakes for everybody. Yes. And then we can ratchet this thing down. I like that. Take the power away from the government. But I mean, part of that is money. Their money uh, powers is huge. That's another conversation. I wish we could go day. on and on and on, man, because I have things that I'm trying to work out. And uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, I can't bounce ideas off these yeah. guys for some reason. Keep seeing the counselor. Like me. You're doing, you'll be okay. But more importantly, <laughs> oh, go ahead. This would just be, I, yeah, I know we're up against it. This would just be my thought. I, I really think stuff can get better. I really think that particularly Christians hold the key to make it better. We have what we need. We have the gospel. We have the real kingdom, the Romans one that Jesus 13. talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. No. And, and, and so we don't have to hit the panic button. We don't have to win mm -hmm. at everything. We don't actually need to. We're citizens of a greater kingdom of a greater king who we can give all the power to in the world. We don't give him power. We can acknowledge that he has all the power ever because there's no successor coming. He's the eternal king. So go ahead, rule, rule, benevolently rule however you want to rule. There's no arguing with it. So we've got this, we've got this not sense of urgency that we can embrace. The world is not going to end if the wrong person gets elected. We don't have to win all of these social wars and fights. And historically, Christians typically win by losing. We're very, very effective while losing. And we've tried very, very hard to make sure we're the winners. And we've even, I think, climbed into bed with some really not Christian people and some really not Christian ideas to try to make Christianity win. Shaking Rome tried to do that. They tried to climb into bed with some outsiders to win a couple of wars, and then the outsiders took over, and they were done. Man, you have to come back and just we'll just do a whole thing on church history. That won't take long. No, it's a quick little thing. Yeah. I do think it can get better, though. I think grace and the gospel and Christians living that out, I think it changes the whole equation. Mm -hmm. But and applying the gospel to politics is very hard for us. Yeah, in the ultimate sense, John the Revelator has... Um, sees the lion and then turns and sees the, the slaughtered lamb that basically subverted an empire in Rome hmm. and oh. did it did it through subversion and weakness as opposed to mm -hmm. uh, conquering military power. Oh, thanks for reminding me. I'm not sure if you mentioned this example in your in your video, but yeah, when it comes time to take the mark of the beast, that is the time for us to resist the government. Thoughts, yeah, as long Matt? as you know what it actually is. Yeah. Well, I just, hey, there are plenty of YouTube he who has, telling you he who has, is, And well, they also know what yeah. shape the earth is. It'll he, be delivered on Amazon wisdom. Prime probably tomorrow. <laughs> right. it, was written, it was written so that we could understand. All right. All right. Sorry. Scott, Sorry. can of worms. All right. So, Matt, we'll let you go, but your podcast, No Dumb Questions, we didn't talk about that at all. That's great. And do you still love doing that? Absolutely. Yeah. We did one, we recorded one yesterday on the Hanging Gardens of Babylon and whether it was ever even a thing or something that was made up after the fact that would have been to make governments look better. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. Fun. Yeah. And that's like, that's like the governments in the U.S. requiring like 15 or 30% art. 
in their construction things. Man, what a waste of time. I didn't know that was a thing, but you're giving yeah. me more stuff to get worked up about. Yeah, California, baby. <laughs> Superpower. All right. Thanks, what are What are your socials? Give us your deets, and we'll uh, we'll let you go. At Matt Whitman TMBH on Twitter, the Ten Minute Bible Hour dot com, the Ten Minute Bible Hour on YouTube, at No Dumb Cues and No Dumb Questions is the podcast. All right, and who is the biggest jerk ever in history? I I would say Hitler. Hitler. Got to be Hitler. Man, that guy was. Awful. <laughs> so you mentioned Hitler, which means you lose the argument. Oh, yeah, that's. I'm surprised we never mentioned how with the war and the Holocaust, it's really bad. Yeah, you should look into that. Great, I think, I think... hey, great leader, bad direction. <laughs> Man, you can get hate mail for saying he was a great leader. He was a great leader. I know. I'm just saying. That's Jeff at brosbiblesbeer.com. Our. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm surprised we never mentioned that the the employment of Romans 13, but people can figure it out. That Hitler, yeah, it all comes. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried really hard in this conversation not to just make the conversational version of my Romans 13 video on yeah. your podcast. No, it was so, great. It was great. We should have just played his video. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is infinitely better. Thank you guys. Do you go big game hunting up there in Montana? Where are you at? I'm in Wyoming. I oh, don't hunt. Sorry. I don't like killing stuff. Oh, like I, I really genuinely don't. I fish. I, I got, uh, I was They're out stuff. Saturday and I got 53 trout. Catch and release? Oh, yeah. 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 I want to catch them again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. I, I worked a pool that probably had 100 fish in it. And I, between my buddy and I, we, I bet we got half the fish that were in this stream. It was awesome. Wow. Oh, nice. Yeah, take them out. You don't get them anymore. <laughs> the logic holds up for me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All, All right. right yeah, thanks a lot. Cool. Thanks, thanks for I enjoyed it. Talk yeah. to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bros, Bibles, and Beer, creating sacred space. Caveat. Double exclamation. Man, I wanted to say, did you know that statistics, statistically speaking, 10 to 15% of catch and release fish oh, end up dying. <laughs> I didn't want to say that though. We can, we you know, we could have ended it. So you watched the video, right, Zach? Yes. And did you have any strong opinions of what he said, his, what he says, you know, what it couldn't be or what it should be or what it is? Uh, I don't recall his, how he broke it down. Well, no, I'm just sympathetic to, Anybody that wants to slow their roll when it comes to just, hey, the Bible says this, so we're your leaders. You can trust us. We're doing it. I, I just I hate that top-down approach uh, in using scripture, not to mention as you dig, if you do a little, just re- you don't even have to read anything. Watch his video, listeners, and, and you can well, get if, more context. It, I mean, regarding that, it, if you live it out, you don't have to invoke the Bible it, it just live it out, yeah. and people will. F- I mean, they'll follow. I mean, if yeah. well, arguably, Sessions is living it out by enforcing. You know right. what I so find? You know that's on what you mean when people say, um, "You know, you can trust me," or "Let me be honest with you." That's like, let me tell you about what it says here in the Bible. I'm like, you are my BS radar. Radar, my BS radar is up, and I, I just don't, I don't think you're being honest um with everyone it's more of a a dramatic five minutes where we get to listen and you get to tell us you know 
this PR moment of this is what it says in the Bible. And so I would agree with Zach. I, I don't like it. I don't like that stuff like that gets said and we're supposed to follow because this is what it says. It's like, why not just live it out and let things land with so the if land? If, if people are coming from Latin America, South, South America, mi- middle, middle America, mm. middle America mm-hmm. Central America, Middle Earth, um, go ahead. And there are that too. mainly Catholics. Okay. Is that something that... Um, I mean, Catholics, I think. Would, Where are you going with this? I, I'm not sure. Would they, would they want to... Would wh- they? What would they say about that? What would the Pope say about it? I don't know. About... I'm going to say this is just a question. About what? The people at the border? People, people I don't know what he's talking about. illegally. Yeah. Oh, you, not, know what, not, you know what? They're not going to let certain people into the Vatican. I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> You're yeah. Right. They're going to be like, it, uh, it, no. It turns out borders are important. Yeah. I don't think... Yeah, it's it's a For the protection bag. of the people... It's not land private property because there's culture. What I'm what I'm worried about is, and we got to shut this down. Zach's but worried. We got to play some home Zach, I, you're not. A f- we're gonna hit some home runs tonight. All right, go. What I'm worried about go is down. that, uh, or what concerns me, <laughs> is is that there's from both sides of the spectrum. People are so. so let, let's just take the left right now. Very frustrated at the president and what's going on. They feel like people are actually in danger. Um, right. People may in fact be in danger. <laughs> the willingness to, the drive to go out and vote to next time elect more Democrats, uh, not going to happen. It, whether it happens or not, is beside the point. Nobody actually cares. Right. Th- th- all they care about is getting elected. Yes. And so, I- I'm wondering why do we why do we put so much faith in the state? Like as if if Democrats got elected, things would be fixed. These these things have been going on for. They need to stop now. Like that, stop it. But these things go way back in terms of what's going on. Like pick your issue. I don't care. It goes back. It's not a Democrat Republican thing. Uh, well, some things are. I guess goes without saying. I'm trying to summarize though. So bear with me. Well, if you say something, the state, we're controversial. Let him, let him go. We we're going to be going forever. The yeah. state. What there's a trust. And <laughs> these guys are doing things you cannot see, listener. <laughs> oh my gosh, I cannot focus. Um, this move towards like just get the right people in power in the state, and it, we can make things happen. When there are a lot of organizations that are bipartisan or not non-governmental, that where you can have an actual tangible difference and get involved. And that's where I want to see people's energy going as opposed to let's let mommy and daddy, let's get the proper mommy and daddy, and they're going to fix everything. Yeah, I think... Uh, right, so people I, aren't going to fix Yeah, I want to agree with that uh, completely, but... But? But um, you, you, you'd have to... You'd almost have to sit down already with the other side and go, look, this is what we're going to do, you know, what you said, Zach. The, the issue is that they are not doing that. People are going forward with their agenda, and no, the, there's a lot of organizations side, that are working for right, people that are on the margins. The side, the side that decides to pull back and not engage in the public discourse, and allows the other side to gain, let's say, the power. Um, there, there is going to 
their ideas are going to be, um, they're not going to be heard. And the other side will gain power and they're going to lose their voice. I, I, I sympathize with what you're saying. However, that's what we've been doing. That's the game we're in. It's a power grab back and forth. Because, and we, have, saying because we have sides that disagree and we can But there's a third way it. and it's not going to be the state. But, but you have but but it seems like you have to already agree to that. I'm not even talking about that. I'm saying before whatever your issue you, is before immigration you pull back before you before you're you not understanding back. my point. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. That's a different conversation. My point is why so much love for the hmm. state on both sides? When you could be doing tangible things that help the people you want to help subverting the state by using different means and getting involved with different organizations and not having to rely on your person getting in power to enact them. Right. It's a different different conversation. And Matt was mentioning mentioning that ultimately it's up to the individual to create connections and to love people and... And Maybe reach out to a human being. And and so doing that... Twitter. Doing that is being... (laughs) A representative of the state and a representative of the, you know, Christianity. It's a it's a good thing. Depends on how you do it and what you're promoting, but sure. Yeah, yeah but to say that you know I need Donald Trump in office so that we can get things done and have a better country. If that was my thought, I mean that's not my thought. My well, my thought is I'm just I have to live. I mean I, I if the alternative I am is Hillary get, though <laughs> there's kind of oh god yeah. all right yeah so there's two, guys two, two different aspects yeah okay good <laughs> that was but two, the, two different aspects because yeah you can go out and do things and you could also vote it's yeah. weird you could do two things at the same time all right and with that uh, guys um uh, with that uh, it's for it's for people who are law abiding and uh, all right. Good job. Pause, clear and wise. Orderly. H in that. Orderly. <laughs> I do declare. What are you gonna do with that? Clear microphone? and wise command. Grab my mic. No. no okay. You okay. know there is. Uh, Paula White is one of the religious advisors to Trump. Said that a version. I'm paraphrasing. So send all your hate if you want. A version of Jesus wouldn't have broken the law because if he, if he did, he would have been sinning. And he couldn't ascend. This is Paula White um, yes. uh, from from TBN. Paula White. I think so. And he, she's an advisor to Trump. Yes, she's on is some this sort verified? of. She's yes, but the fact that she thinks that following the law equals not sinning is woo. That's cuckoo crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, Paula Bye, guys. Yeah. Hey, Jeff. Yes. Thanks for your uh, hip thrust that people couldn't see while I was hey, trying to make a point. Scott, stop touching me there. Grace, peace, cheers. Grace, peace, cheers.